Hey there, we're listening, we're watching this pretty great documentary called The Game Is Up, but disillusioned Trump voters tell their stories. Full movie documentary, 2022. But just like many things, it's not what happens to you, what bad hand you're dealt, it's how you play. It's how you respond. I would say that um, an abomination, and that is really when they even had a response. I mean, they waited for months before they did anything. There were constant lies, deflections. No nation is more prepared or more equipped to face down this crisis. As you know, we are rated number one in the world. We're also helping other nations. Many other nations were helping them a lot. Denials. I mean, we had Mr. Trump back in February saying, oh, like magic, we're going to be down to zero cases. Each and every day, we're losing close to a thousand Americans. The fact that the United States of America has handled this more poorly than almost any nation on earth um, is an embarrassment. For agriculture, it's been a disaster. China and some of those people are major places we export for it. We can't get rid of it. We can't get rid of it in the United States. The market's going to go down. Agriculture has been built over time. Very, very efficient. Processing plants went down. That backed up all of the cattle, all of the hogs, left them on farms. There's no market. And then for farmers, no ability to sell your crops, which resulted in a collapse in prices which then resulted in yet another agricultural bailout. When farmers lose money and when the ag economy is disturbed and disrupted, it's not just the farmer who gets hurt. It's the equipment dealer. It's the main street business. It's the hardware store. It's the schools who lose tax revenue and, and have a hard time keeping their doors open or continuing to pay teachers. It really ripples throughout rural America. Many of American farmers are second, third, fourth generation farmers. So when a farm bankruptcy happens, it's not, it's not like losing your job, that's bad, you go out and find another job. It's about losing your way of life and it's about losing the opportunity to pass that heritage onto your children. Bankruptcies are up. Suicides are up. Across the nation. That's a canary in the coal mine that all is not good in in agriculture. We can do it. It is can-do attitude across the board. But when you have an administration that has their foot on our neck and has created a situation where we're now part of the welfare state, farmers have no choice now but to play ball with their captor. And that's the administration. And they're stuck. And they know it. And they hate it. It's the worst thing you could do to the independent spirit of a farmer. I am angry. I am angry. American farmers, we don't run, we don't spoke, and we don't hide. The fact that this administration left agriculture weak on trade and relationships with other countries makes me question where we're going to go from here. How are we going to rebuild these markets after the pandemic? How are we going to do that? Where are we going to go to get relationships? America should be revered in the world.
respected and revered. Here's a news flash. We're not revered. We're tolerated. Because never forget, America first is America alone. In 15 or 18 years, I've got a grandson right now. And he's going to come to me and he's going to say, Grandpa, we're studying this in history. What were you doing then? I'm not going to tell him that I hid behind a safe fortress. I'm not going to tell him that I was silent. I'm going to tell him that I stood up. That I stood up and I spoke truth to power. That I stood up for what I thought was right. He's not the typical politician and gets nothing done. Um, if you look at his background, his business is phenomenal. I mean, business is all over the world. I felt that Trump was like this Captain America, uh, General Patton kind of guy, you know, ready to take on Muslims, ready to take on immigrants, you know, make America safe. What is that America that, that the lobbyists envisioned? What does it look like? America was a very conservative, you know, back um, prior Nixon, I think, you know, maybe like during World War II, where America won the war, and there's patriots, or, you know, the way America used to be, if that makes any sense. When you join in MAGA, that's something that really consumes you, because you really go all, all the way in. And it sort of, it sort of takes over Conservative pundits were talking about Twitter, and I thought, you know what, that sounds kind of fun. So I decided to go that route, and then that's where I started trolling. My name is David Weissman. I served in the Army for 13 years and I was a chaplain assistant. What a chaplain assistant does is provide security for the chaplain. The chaplain doesn't carry a weapon and the chaplain goes where the soldiers go and that even means the front lines as well. So somebody needs to watch out for and make sure that they're safe. I've been in different combat situations and you know, was able to survive it and make sure the chaplains, well chaplains that I was assigned to brought them back safe. Yeah, I, I was very proud. Uh, I was a decorated soldier and got out with an honorable discharge. Between now and April, no later than May of next year, there is going to be the biggest housing opportunity in America in the last 100 years. And it might be the last chance you get to buy real estate, okay? Like this guy that did this property right here. There's a condo right here in the corner of, uh, across from the, the Starbucks in downtown Clearwater. This place, like, they could never make money here. They couldn't fill it, didn't know what to do with it, couldn't, hey, how you doing? Couldn't keep it full, like, and this guy came in here and developed this building, okay? He made a fortune on it. All this shopping up and down here that used to be empty and vagrants and like it was like it was nasty down here. 
Well, those neighborhoods could be single-family homes, duplexes, retail. They're all over America, okay? And we are going through a period. I'm going to give you, by the way, if you want to grab my book, How to Create Wealth Investing in Real Estate, you can buy it on Amazon for like 35 bucks. Uh, you can buy it from my place for nothing, okay? You just handle the shipping. I'll send it out to you for shipping, whatever that is. And I wrote the book. I'll give it to you. I'll deliver it to you. And I guarantee you, in that book, follow the guidelines of this simple book. It's only like 200 pages long. And I break down real estate, make it so goddamn simple. How you doing, brother? Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Oh, you got them all? You got How to Create Wealth Investing in Real Estate? I'm just doing an ad for it right now. Do you? I'm giving this book away for free right now. Should people get it? Yeah. Have you and I ever met in person? You just happened to wander up on us, okay? What's your name? Travis. Thanks, Travis. Appreciate you, man. So if you want to grab it, grab that book, okay? That was not set up, by the way. If you want to grab that book, uh, How to Create Wealth Investing in Real Estate, go to Amazon. You'll see it there for 35 bucks. I think some guy's trying to sell his for $95 or something. I don't know who would do that. I'm giving it away for free or go buy it from Amazon. I promise you that book will be worth millions and millions of dollars to you when you start taking real estate seriously. I'm going to show you how to find a piece of real estate in the next, let's say, six months, 10 months, maximum 15 months. That's how short your window is where you're going to buy a piece of real estate and you're not going to make 30 or 40 grand on it like I did my second deal. My second deal. I put no money down, I made $32,000. I'm like, I'm hooked on this guy. I made more money on two real estate deals than I was making in a full-time job. That is years ago, but that's what happened, okay? My third deal, I made $5 million on because I started to figure out what I was doing. I share all this with you in the book. I hope you take advantage of it, grab it. I'm on my way to the airport. Guess where I'm going? To three different places in the country to go look at real estate, okay? Grab the book. too much at stake for our children, for everybody to let that happen. So please, yes, I'm asking, will you chip in $5, $10, whatever you can spare, it'll make a difference so I can protect this seat and keep the Senate blue. Thank you so much. the army and plan was to go live in Israel. I was part of his campaign team in Israel. I, you know, I even created a Facebook group, Americans in Israel for Trump. And I was very actively involved. Wrote pro-Trump articles. And I had a Trump rally in Jerusalem. I had Trump and Pence speak in a video to us, and they knew the fears of uh, American Jews, you know, concerning Islam, Palestinian. Together, we will stand up to the enemies like Iran, bent on destroying Israel and her people. People were very pumped up, excited, even in Israel, that had to lock her up chance. I was part of campaigning. I went to the rally, and when I was wearing the whole Trump shirt and hat, and yeah, I was really all in.
I'm Alan Silberberg. I'm the CEO of Digijax, which is a cybersecurity company, and I'm the author of Bots Against Us, which is a book about how bots and other digital tools have been used against America by various countries. Back in 2016, we suddenly started seeing a number of social media bots that shouldn't have been there and that were acting very strangely. And when we started paying attention to them, it became very clear that they were Russian in origin. David and several other people were aggressive trolls. What I was really focused on was this constant battering of people, that good people who were just saying, hey, I'm going to go vote for Hillary because boom. And then all of a sudden, there'd be like a thousand people telling them what an idiot and what a horrible person they are, and they're going to kill babies. And, and then that person shuts up, and they never tweet again, or they never post on Facebook again. And I saw a lot of that. In the 2016 election, we were dealing with a troll army, really. Like the ultimate satisfaction of this trolling, especially when you go out there a moon check on Twitter, where it's a celebrity or them, where they block you, and it's sort of like a badge of honor. You feel empowered. I guess it was sort of like an addiction. What most people who are using these tools don't understand is that the people who own the social media companies and the designers and the engineers, they have designed these products to be addictive. They aren't designed for anything else. They're designed to be addictive. It's always about owning the libs, you know, to get them triggered. Because, uh, you know, we're the tough conservative Trump supporters, you know, it's like either our way or the highway. It was that kind of toxic mentality. If you want to start a lie, you start by telling the lie. And then you tell that same lie to a few people. And you especially tell that lie to a few people who you know are going to also tell other people. I believe in demonizing of Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, thinking that thems were an enemy of people. Right now, we have people in Congress that hate our country. I went after Sarah Silverman and got pictures wearing Nazi outfit, you know, as our comedy routine. And of course, like I said, uh, the goal was to get blocked by celebrities, but Sarah Silverman, she didn't block me. She actually responded. I was kind of caught off guard that she was one of the first celebrities that actually interacted with me. And so I was kind of like, whoa. And then I kind of thought, wait a minute, she's Jewish. I'm Jewish. Why doesn't he, she like Trump? You know, he's pro-Israel and everything. amazed by her response. Oh, this is this is new. So I give her credit because she encouraged dialogue. And that sort of brought my wall down. When she responded, her followers can see that 
and so I started talking with him as well. O'Connell? Yeah, Morrissey. Yeah. Am <laughs> Irish? Half Irish. Which half? The middle. <laughs> See, I can't keep up with this lady because she is naturally a funny person. I just started noticing David popping up in conversations from time to time and I just kind of hoped that he would be able to expand his the bubble he was in, the people he spoke to, his echo chamber, to listen to and communicate with different voices. I remember seeing your profile and you had a, a MAGA hat on and conservative in your profile and stuff like that and we kind of started a dialogue with each other um, very polar opposite views, I think. Yes, I, I remember that as well. I wasn't telling him not to like him or anything like that, but I'm like, if you're going to support somebody, know what you're supporting and know everything that you're supporting, and then decide whether you do actually still align yourself with that person or not. We always had a sort of respectful dialogue with each other. I wasn't trying to convert him or anything like that, but some of the things he was talking about were provably not correct. So it was just encouraging him to follow more sources and people so that he could better inform his followers. I believe the whole thing that like he only used his own money, he didn't have any money from you know, the people. Just like we thought that he would not get paid while he was president, you know? I thought he was a successful businessman, that he could make the economy strong. When I learned about dodging and track by times, that sort of like sunk, like, this is not who I thought I voted for. I thought he was this patriot. Okay, move out. And, you know, more and more I learned about him, I sort of felt like I was cool, thinking that Trump was something more than what he really is. And I started to begin to realize that a lot of Fox News and conservative media were lying. People make decisions based on what they experience, what information they have at the time. And if they discover later that they were lied to, the information was incorrect, you don't f just feel bad. You just say, look, if I could go back in time knowing what I know now, I wouldn't have gotten involved. Instead of people continuing in a road where sunk cost fallacy is the technical term for it, I'm going to keep going because I've been invested for so many years and I put so much money into it. But it's like, no, if it's not what you would have wanted to do if you knew the accurate information, time time to change. And, and you're not a bad person if you go, oops. You know, from then on, I, I, I never looked back. I, I felt betrayed, lied to how the Republican Party was, who they were, the so-called principles that they had. Um, so I sort of felt betrayed. He just became more, more caring and compassionate about other people that didn't necessarily have the same background as him or beliefs or anything like that. I think it was probably about six months into the conversation, maybe, and you'd sort of said that you'd never met or spoken to a trans person. Do you remember that conversation? <laughs> um, yes, I do. I definitely remember that. And he said to me that, you know, he's never met a trans person, and I sort of said, well, how would you know that?
and he was quite derogatory in how he sort of spoke about them. And I said, well, David, I'm trans. I transitioned a, a long time ago. We had quite a long conversation about that and I sort of shared what it was like growing up and how stressful it was. I I, I knew when I was three and I grew up and I spoke to him about the, the bullying that I've experienced and death threats even and abuse and the discrimination that trans people face every single day. I got to know you as a person and, mm. and it's like, it's true, like when people say that trans people are people too. Yeah. So I guess that's what really softened my heart about it. And uh, I know Sarah does, you know, someone close to me personally, um, finding out that um, he's trans. Um, I mean, you know, that, that uh, absolutely. For me, when when you told me that, I, I was just grateful that we've we'd had those conversations, and that you're you're so much more compassionate for the community now, and you know that we are just people trying to live our lives, and maybe a, a positive part of society too. And I, I I think that since you found that out, it's perhaps that's maybe why we started speaking, so that. It's sort of opening your heart to these things that you could better support you. And of course, as I've said before, I'm always there if you've got any questions or need any support or anything like that as well. And it definitely made a huge impact. Um, I mean, you know, learning about it, learning about the science part of it, and realizing how it's you know really real compared to what you know I you know I thought growing up and learned about it growing up and you know, I'm definitely grateful that it happened so I could be accepting of my, uh, and he had told me that, you know, back in my Republican conservative days, how I used to be in the LGBT community, I mean, it definitely would have been a totally different reaction. So, it's, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful how this journey happened. minute he started questioning Trump and starting to question all the beliefs he had been told, everybody turned on him. You know, he was a, he was a traitor. He was now in the cult of Soros and the cult of the libtards and etc, etc. And that was extremely cultic. There were former uh, military comrades that you know, called me traitor and you know, it was, it was, it was not easy. Uh, and then later on, I had trolls uh, trying to say that, oh, my story is fake. You know, I was never a Trump supporter. I was never a Republican. Um, into, like, personal attacks, like, oh, I abandoned my kids. 
They try to use intimidation and try to, you know, stop from speaking out. It's a telltale sign because on the influence continuum, if you're in a healthy group, you know, you're in a church, you're in a synagogue, and you decide you want to go to a different church, your friends are going to say, oh, I'm going to miss you. You know, stay in touch. In mind control cults, they demonize you and say you're going to hell or you're losing your soul or you're a traitor. I'm glad that David was able to have some people reach out and show him a different way. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible that, that someone like David could have been targeted while he was in the military. That's a very common occurrence. He was participating actively, without his knowledge, but actively in an active information war. I believe a lot of people are seeing Trump who he is. I created a Facebook group. Uh, called former Trump supporters and I am not the only former Trump supporter there's a lot of people that have joined the group that is sharing their story especially the way he's handled the pandemic it is a big eye-opener for many people it will take effort on the part of the management and owners of these social media platforms to acknowledge their role and to start making positive changes and it's also going to take you know, a lot of users saying, hey, can we maybe have something different here? Can we have a different type of, of experience? Like these tools are wonderful, but they're damaging people also. So how can we still use these tools, but get away from the damaging aspects? Inspirational messages, one and all. <laughs> I really appreciate the, the chance to speak about my, my journey, my conversations with David, and I hope it inspires more people, not just uh, people that might be of a particular political leaning, but also just people in general to reach out to other people and be kind and, you know, just have discussions. You don't have to call each other names or anything like that. Just remember that they are people and, you know, just try and find some commonalities and so I promise you, you'll find more things that bring us together than set us apart and if we can all do that the, the world would be better and it really needs it at the moment i definitely feel like i'm a better person now um I, i'm going on the right track it's bigger to fight for rights of people who don't have rights and to fight for your own needs and wants and having a soft heart you know i think is making me a better father better person and I'm going on the right track. I lost weight. I'm going to college. I have, you know, the second chance at life. And then they feel like the veils lifted. And it gives you a purpose. It is true that all the major world religions have the love your neighbor as yourself teaching in there. The Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, the... Hebrew scripture, the Christian scripture, the Buddha, the admonition to love across differences is baked into our religions. But also, in the earliest biblical texts, you can begin to feel the who is my neighbor, or who is my brother, or who is my sister, starts getting smaller and smaller, and becomes the Christians are my brother and sister. You know, the ones in this community are my brother and sister. And that is, is, uh, already a detour from where Jesus was.
every human being has tribalism just baked into our DNA, into our nature. It's a survival thing, you know, we want to protect our own people. So, so that's something we all have. But the gospel is explicitly anti-tribal. Jesus uh, did away with tribalism. He makes all of these appeals to moving beyond tribalism. My name is Nathan Munson. I'm an evangelical Christian and I'm a Liberty University graduate. Being an evangelical Christian means having a deep and personal relationship with the Lord. It means that in my daily walk, I am teaching people about the Lord through the gospel. When I was five years old, my parents received a, a job offer in South Korea and they moved there. We lived there for seven years. From there, we had moved on to Saudi Arabia, and then I finished up my high school years in Shanghai, China. This is not my home, nor is China my home, nor is Korea my home. The world is my home. So the Lord has really given me an empathetic heart for that. So I think a lot of times my political theory is, well, what is helping everybody? What is loving everybody? My name's Ron Hawthorne. I was born and raised in the city of Detroit. My dad worked for Chrysler, and as I got older, got involved in uh, some drugs, alcohol was part of my past. I just kind of got lost in life. I did some jail time, and when I got back to Detroit, I, I really had to sit back and, and think about where my life was going. I was asking that question, why am I here? What am I doing? And that's when I met Cindy and another gentleman named Richard, and they sat down and started talking to me about God and about the Bible. And through my own reading of scripture, it talked to me and I knew that Jesus Christ was God. I met Ron about four years ago at his Bible study that was sponsored by my church. And about a year later, we started dating. We've been married for a year and a half. And he has answered to my prayers. Being a Christian is, is the foundation for everything I do. Every single thing in life should be centered on what would make Christ happy. Liberty, it's an unabashedly conservative school. They're not going to hide that. I just think when you populate a school with only conservative teachers, and when you populate big gatherings with only conservative things, and even when you bring in pastors that are a little bit more political than they are Christian, you start to get this identity that's kind of a Christian Republican, where sometimes you kind of taught that the Republican values are also Christian values, which was this feeling that anything the conservative party put out, we have to support as Christians, which I think is wrong when you actually think about it. I'm Pat Conkey. I was an evangelical pastor for 20 years. I've been a lifelong Republican until Donald Trump. It's been very easy, I think, for Donald Trump to co-opt evangelicals because we have in our nature a little bit of an authoritarian bent. So if we have our leaders talking about personally. we should obey our rulers, we shouldn't speak against our rulers, that just really feeds into the narrative that somebody like Donald Trump or any authoritarian is trying to put forth.
the average church member will usually just do whatever the leadership suggests and thinks is best. And so I think a lot of the average church members, you know, people like me, just vote for Donald Trump because they have been told by other people that he's the best candidate. And it's easier to do what you're told than it is to think for yourself. One of the first things that authoritarians will do is to co-opt the religious movements of the day. But it's much easier if you can co-opt the Christian movements of the day and get, get the leaders of the church speaking on your behalf, then so much the better. Father, thank you for the way that you do provide for us. Pray that you would pour your overwhelming blessing and wisdom on the president. poet wrestling to make meaning of this time. I'm the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis, and I'm the senior minister in charge at Middle Collegiate Church, the oldest continuous Protestant church in North America. Many of my friends who call themselves evangelical say that what they mean is that they take the Bible seriously, or some of them would say biblical literacy. Uh, some would say sola scriptura, only scripture guides our lives. But I think we know what's happened is that the white supremacists across Protestantism, somewhere in the 70s, 80s, co-opted Christianity to make it synonymous with their worldview. And that's not the first time that that's happened. I mean, I think the, the Christianity that is the religion of Jesus got kind of empired, I would say, when Constantine looks in the sky and sees a cross and decides to make it the state religion. Since then, we've been battling, all of us, about what it means to be Christian. Eastern Orthodox Christians, Roman Catholic Christians, Protestant Christians. So I found that when the 2016 election came around, it was a subtle feeling of basically discrediting the other side and only giving one version of the other side. One of the things I think we were taught was that as long as the other side remains pro-choice, they are always going to be at odds with the Christian community. It is us versus them. I mean, my original reason for voting for Trump and Let's be honest, both of them were not pro-life, but he at least used the language we liked. And while I saw that language as feeling like it was a little bit not true, I was sitting there going, that is a big deal for me. We're going to protect Christianity. Pro-life Christians are being used by the Republican Party. Before I went into ministry, I was a speaker for pro-life causes. It's been part of my life, and I still believe those things. but. What I see is that the Republicans understand that a lot of Christians who are pro-life will vote for any Republican who claims to be pro-life, regardless of any other issue. I started hearing these fear tactics. Well, all these horrible things that will happen if Hillary gets in. You know, if Hillary gets in, we're going to lose our religious freedoms and she's going to interfere with our churches and there will be more babies killed through abortion and all these bad things are going to happen and you can't let that happen. These appeals to fear work because white evangelical Christians, without even realizing it, have lived in a position of having so much 
power and control in the country that we feel a little bit of a sense of loss of that privilege and it feels like persecution. It's not persecution. It's a slight loss of privilege. Part of mind control is what I call phobia indoctrination. And this is the implantation of irrational fears that if you question the leader, the doctrine, or the group, or it will want to leave it, terrible things are going to happen to you. This is called the snake. And think of it in terms of immigration. So if you can create evocative, satanic imagery in people's minds. Poor thing, she cried. I'll take you in, and I'll take care of you. So they're not even conscious that they're seeing it. It sidesteps our frontal cortex, our critical analytic mind, and we react emotionally because we want to survive. Oh, shut up, silly woman, said the reptile with a grin. You knew damn well I was a snake before you took me in. All dictators use fear. Hitler did it, Mussolini did it, Stalin did it. You can go through history. And um, Trump would never have been elected if, he, if you took fear manipulation out of all of the mind control techniques. That election was my first one. I get to put my vote down. It's exciting. for your silver star. Is that right? Well, I don't know exactly where it is, but I know who took it. Sure as the twinkle in my eye. This little bear is going to introduce you and Judy and Jimmy to a wild assortment of fantastic creatures and characters you're supposed to love. I mean, you will love. I hear they're wonderful. Don't take your eyes off my twinkle. election was my first one. I get to put my vote down. It's exciting. But for some reason, I felt like there was just this weird pressure to vote for Donald Trump and feeling like if I didn't vote that way, there would be a bit of ostracization. I'm a Protestant. I'm very proud of it. I was like, maybe himself. he'll get better. Maybe he's just being kind of a jerk right now and he'll get better. We all thought so. Well, it was getting closer and closer to election day, but I was struggling with it. So I went to the pastor of the church. I says, I'm struggling with this. I don't know that I can vote for this man. Can you give me some spiritual advice to vote? And he says, look, we need to get certain judges in there because we need certain laws passed, like for abortion or for Christian rights. Okay, well, that sounds all good. And I says, well, what, what does the Bible say? He says, so he goes and gives a story of, um, who was King it? Cyrus, I think. King Cyrus. And it made sense, you know, that, okay, God does use wicked people sometimes. And I still wasn't at ease with it. But being a new Christian, I wanted to follow the leadership 
They were more experienced when it came to the Bible. If you say the Bible says that, I have to trust you because I don't know. If you read what Jesus says, you cannot possibly be in this religion that would think Trump is Cyrus. Read that story. Cyrus killed a bunch of people and then let the Jews go. Are we really literally believing that a God of love wants us to repeat that? Donald Trump really, I think, appealed to them in terms of sin and redemption. You know, that I've done things wrong, but I'm sorry for doing those things. And I'm not perfect, but who is? It's a real sacrifice rhetoric, so I'm sacrificing for you. They're out to get you. And if you see what they've done to attack me, just think of what they're going to do to you when they have the chance. I will fight to protect you. I am your president of law and order. I remember standing in line just, just waiting to get this over with. And just I just wanted it to be done. I wanted it to be over. I didn't understand what I was doing. I, it just felt wrong. But I was told it was right. And um, when I got home that day, I felt bad. I felt dirty. I, I just felt, you know, this, this wasn't right. That this was not the right thing to do. And it's one of those things that I had to, I had to compartmentalize that. I had to put it in a folder in the back of my brain and forget about it, not knowing that it would come back up again. What really motivated me to oppose Donald Trump was pastorally. I've been a pastor for 20 years, and I've seen the impact that it has on people to follow him. Over the last four years, I've watched him make decisions that no Christian could support. I think where it affected me was actually, it was deportation, it was immigration, because that is my heart. It was calling them names. It was describing them through these terrible language that I was like, I wouldn't even say that to my worst enemy. We have people pouring in from not just the southern border in Mexico, from China. And then they get in and we say, gee, that person just came into our country. He just robbed a store and killed somebody. How is that possible? Because they send us the people they don't want. I just sat there and I said, this is a man who his hatred of this goes beyond his party. I see Christians trying to excuse his behavior, to make sense of it. Because we have this cognitive dissonance about Donald Trump, where we know that so much of what we see is not right. In order to support Donald Trump, a Christian has to divide their mind be between these, these things that we know. And so it ends up being emotionally and mentally unhealthy. So some of it is just the denial of basic facts. Some of it is walling yourself off from hearing those facts, so you don't have to deny them. But then some of it is actually changing your character to start to say, I guess it's okay. I literally had somebody come up to me and they're like, oh, you're a Christian, so you must have voted for Trump. I felt that my identity as a Christian was always put into question because a man was in our presidential office who spoke as if he was a Christian, was supported by so many Christian communities, and yet did everything that could be against the Bible. I felt kind of frozen because I was like, oh my gosh, I voted for this guy. Kind of felt like I brought a dictator into leadership.
I was sitting in the break room with a co-worker of mine, and, and I like to talk about God. I'm one who likes to share my experiences uh, with God. And he asked me, well, why would I want to be a Christian when you guys support such a horrible human being? I was just taken back. I, I, it stunned me. It stopped me. I didn't know what to say. I found it hard that day to concentrate on work because it's like a knife going right through your heart for me to have to face that. And that's how God works on us, you know. He makes us face the things that, um, where we have shortcomings and the things he wants to change inside of us. And then I was reading the Bible and reading some scripture and, in the, in the, and some verses jumped out at me. And I read this. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. A false witness who utters lies. And one who spreads strife among brothers. And it was just like... Boom, there it is. It's the exact opposite of who Christ was. And that really stuck me, I knew. I kept waiting for, for evangelical Christians to speak out, and they weren't speaking out. In October of 2019, Donald Trump came to Minneapolis. And I, I went to towards the front of the line. I just cut in front of thousands of people. And, um, and I heard the people behind me, you just cut in line in front of thousands of people. And I said, my president taught me that I'm not breaking a law, I'm just breaking a norm. And there's no law against cutting in line. They talked amongst themselves and they let me stay, which really surprised me. So I managed to get seats right behind the president. So I stood, I stood directly behind him, and I just, and I just yelled at the top of my lungs, and you're a liar, you're a criminal, and it wasn't intelligent, but it was what I needed to say. It's been a journey these last six months. It's been an interesting journey, a tough journey so far, because in my circles, I'm, I'm meeting a lot of resistance. I'm learning how to speak to people. I'm making mistakes sometimes, but adjusting on how to speak on this matter without becoming everybody's enemy. People have unfriended the both of us mm -hmm. over this issue. And that's the shame because it's changed the behaviors of Christians today on Donald Trump. The behavior has changed so drastically. It's not anymore. It's no longer, well, we just disagree with you, but we still love you. The fangs are coming out. The claws are coming out. It's the evangelicals that we're talking about that have politicized and codified church plus racism, church plus capitalism gone crazy, church plus anti-immigration, church plus anti-science. That church believes that Trumpianism is Christianity, and it's not. I can't do this where I pretend like racism can exist in the church. I will not play this game where I can believe that you think that Trump is over all things. The Christian church needs to have a coming to the Lord, where we recognize that we have gotten to some dark places, and we've said some things that I think are very, very scary. Christianity is not in the greatest of shape right now. 
just the support of Donald Trump really puts a bad testimony on Christianity. To me, it is more important to preserve what Christianity is all about. And Christianity is about following Christ. He was loving, he was merciful, he was gentle, he was kind, he was truthful, he was real, he was focused on eternity, not, not, not just temporal values. I am more concerned about the damage that's being done to Christianity than any fear that I may have of some liberal leader making temporary laws that I may not like. So I would tell Christians, our conscience is being degraded by coming into Donald Trump's orbit. This is a serious thing. For people who are not believers in Jesus Christ, what they see is a whole bunch of people who claim to believe in Jesus Christ supporting a guy who abuses them every day. The things that he does, because of our support, he does in the name of Christ. That's the way the world sees it. And I would just say, we can't do that. We can't enable that. We can't be complicit in that sort of thing. All right, Lily, you heard Jackie. We've got work to do. We've got a fight to fight. We've got stuff we got to continue to work on. Say, Lord, you're mighty. If evangelical means, you know, inviting people into a relationship with Christ, right? That's a kind of a, a way we think about it. So I want to say, come on over to love. Just come to love. If, 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 you, if you don't have a strong biblical background and you want to know what would Jesus do, he would love the people. Not only did he say to do it, he showed us how to do it. So what does love look like? Everybody who you think doesn't belong inside, he brought them inside. From Nicodemus up in the tree, right, to the woman at the well, to the woman caught in adultery, if you have not sinned, throw a stone at her, otherwise shut up. To the sick ones, to the broken ones, to the wealthy ones, to the criminal on the cross, to the Roman centurion with a sick daughter. Everyone who culture would say to be on the outside, Jesus says puts on the inside. Those are basic truths that anybody can embrace. And if your pastor is saying different than that, you gotta ask yourself, what's up with that person? Which gospel is he preaching? Which Jesus is she teaching? I've lost friends on Facebook. It's already happened. But I was like, at the end of the day, how are you going out and preaching the gospel? How are you going out and loving people? All of us is a little broken. Every one of us has a broken space. And whether we fill that broken space with hate or love, or we, whether we fill it with violence or compassion, that's actually some choices that we have to make. And that's where we're at right now. What's, what do we want to choose as our individual identity and what do we want to choose as our corporate identity? Who do we really want to be? That's the question. home. It was a nice, bright Saturday. Uh, I, I teared up 
and I, I, I exhaled. It was just a wonderful, joyous feeling that Saturday. And so we, we drove down to Detroit and honked the horn all the way down, down, you know, a couple of the main streets and people were raising their hands. They were honking back. And then we went on a march through the city, waving our flags and saying, yeah, this is what democracy is. It was a celebration. Like. It was. The fact that so many people did show up to vote and understood what was truly at stake uh, in this election meant a lot to me. It means that a lot of people voted for the first time. Um, and Trump didn't do a lot of things very well, but if he got people to start caring about the democratic system and participating in it, then thank you to that. It's time for our better angels to prevail. Tonight, the whole world is watching America. I may not agree with every single thing, but it is so relaxing to hear somebody talk in a way that's like, I am everybody's president. Well, not to alarm anyone, but we're not out of the woods yet. This is a case where they're trying to steal an election. They're trying to rig an election. And we can't let that happen. Independence actually on the wall towards the United States Capitol. I am not allowed to say what's going to happen today, but it's going to happen. Something's going to happen. If you asked me four years ago, five years ago, if one mortal could have set and derailed a tone of a whole nation within a short four-year period, I would have told you that the, the nation was more resilient than that. Um, certainly, I was wrong. Mike Pence, I hope you're going to stand up for the good of our Constitution and for the good of our country. And if you're not, I'm going to be very disappointed in you, I will tell you right now. Good, bad, or indifferent, every president has left office peacefully, respectfully, right? Except for Trump. I've got three men walking down the street in fatigue, carrying AR-15, copy of Yeah, I think he's making a coup attempt. And he's literally trying to destroy and take down our democracy. And I got a fucking Republican Party that's letting them do it. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not in a good place these days. We cannot pretend that we're on the same page. We're not on the same page. Um, we have to acknowledge that that there is a giant divide in our nation. And some of that division is around race. Some of it's around class. Some of it's around ideology and religion. But it's deep and it has gotten entrenched in the two parties. I think we need to also tackle misinformation, right-wing media. Uh, the current Republican Party. I think we need to tackle these issues so we can prevent um, Trump says he is planning on running for 2024 or elect a Trump by candidate. I swear to God, he will return. It'll be a manifestation of him that's smarter. 
that is more savvy and understands the political environment, not only how to manipulate people's internal biases like Trump does, but he understands how to maneuver all of the levers of government and politics, not just the biased mind of a voter. I feel like now we have four years to head off fascism, like for real. Trumpism is not dead and it may not die. And we have to try to inform people over these next four years the best that we can, because he may be back or someone like him with that ideology can get back in. You want to know what's crazy? There's the poem that Donald Trump has quoted at some of his rallies. You knew I was a snake before you let me in. To me, that, that poem is about him. You, you let this snake in your house because you think he's going to protect you, but as soon as he has no benefit from protecting you, he's not going to anymore. And at that point, you knew. You knew the kind of person he was. He chose him. A great big love to tear you down. We got a great big love to tear you down. We got love. We got a great What would I tell pre-Trump Joe Walsh? Um, I've never thought about that. I would probably tell him to grow up. Uh, I'd probably throw those two words at him, grow up. I thought it was all about the fight. We gotta troll the Democrats. I don't care if we're right or wrong, we just gotta kick their ass. Uh, I'd tell that Joe Walsh to grow up. It's about the country. It's about, you don't have to lose your beliefs but it's about putting country first. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. I would tell myself, don't do it. It's not worth the, it's not worth the worry and the anxiety that it will bring in my life. And it's not worth the human life and the hate that this will happen to this nation with a vote for Donald Trump. Christians love the fact that Donald Trump is owning the libs. And I think, do you realize the libs are just people like you and me. I wish I had started that earlier. I wish I had spoken out against some things because I think some things I remained silent on because I was too afraid to rub up against somebody. A lot of people have forgotten who they really are and they've become completely lost. I was definitely on the verge of that. Love is stronger than mind control. If it's within your control to say, I miss you, I love you. You know, we used to go fishing together, or, you know, I want to give you a hug. And that's why um, love and respect and compassion is going to be the, the, the solve for helping heal America, to bring us back 
but I truly believe it's going to require mass education about psychology and mind control and the difference between ethical and unethical influence. There's an organization called More in Common, and they put out polling um, that says that actually Democrats and Republicans have more in common than they think they do.